0: Hear now a word from Psalm 144. Blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle, my rock and my fortress, my stronghold and my deliverer, my shield, in whom I take refuge, who subdues the peoples under me. O Lord, what are human beings that you regard them, or mortals that you think of them? They are like a breath. Their days are like a passing shadow. Bow your heavens, O Lord, and come down. Touch the mountains so that they smoke. Make the lightning flash and scatter them. Send out your arrows and rout them. Stretch out your hand from on high. Set me free and rescue me from the mighty waters, from the hand of aliens whose mouths speak lies and whose right hands are false. I will sing a new song to you, O God, upon A 10-stringed harp I will play to you, the one who gives victory to kings, who rescues his servant David. Rescue me from the cruel sword and deliver me from the hand of aliens whose mouths speak lies and whose right hands are false. May our sons in their youth be like plants full grown, our daughters like corner pillars cut for the building of a palace. May our barns be filled with produce of every kind. May our sheep increase by thousands by tens of thousands in our fields. And may our cattle be heavy with young. May there be no breach in the walls, no exile, and no cry of distress in our streets. Happy are the people to whom such blessings fall. Happy are the people whose God is the Lord. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks Thanks be to God.
1: Thank you, Andrew, and thank you, Chancel Choir. It's good to see and hear the, the full choir in the loft today. What a beautiful anthem for this 4th of July. So today we celebrate this day as Independence Day. This year it's Independence Sunday. It happens that way every, every several years. And the question that I want us to answer over the next few minutes, just for a short while, is what can we do as followers of Jesus? What can we do as Christian citizens to strengthen our nation? The first and most important thing, I believe, and it almost goes without saying, but it's too important not to say, is that we are to pray for our land, especially for our elected and appointed leaders. In several places, the scriptures call for us to pray for those in positions of authority. In Psalm 72 and verse 14, the psalmist had reference to the king when the psalmist spoke these words, long may he live, may gold of Sheba be given to him, may prayer be made for him continually and blessings invoked for him all the day. And in 1 Timothy chapter 2, beginning with verse 1, we read, First of all then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all persons, for rulers, and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life, godly and respectful and every way. That our national leaders, our president, the members of Congress, the Supreme Court, justices need to be undergirded by our prayers is not debatable. Consider the magnitude of the decisions with which they are faced almost every day. Consider the issues that we look to them to resolve and and to guide us and to help us. Decisions that these women and men make who are elected and who are appointed in many instances, decisions that may affect millions of lives in this land and around the world all the time, every day. If these folk don't stand in need of our prayers, I don't know who does. And we are to pray for all of our leaders, those we agree with, those we disagree with, those we like, those we're not so fond of. I can't see where scripture gives us much leeway except to lift up all of these folk and pray for them every day. What can we do as Christians to strengthen our nation? One thing, the first thing, the most important thing is we must pray. What else can we do to strengthen our nation? We can criticize its faults, yes, as long as we do so in a spirit of love and concern and respect. Lovett Weems wrote these words back in 1976, the bicentennial year. Lovett Weems is still around and still writing and still making a difference. I enjoy what he has to say and I've learned a lot, but he said at that time, I think the words still apply, those who contend that nations and governmental policies should be objects of prayer, but not a prophetic criticism, show their ignorance of the biblical witness. Throughout the Bible, we find God's prophets, God's watchpersons, proclaiming to rulers and nations, thus saith the Lord. When our nation is feeling an undue sense of self-importance or when any nation is feeling that, when, when ego takes over and we feel like our importance is so inflated, maybe we need to hear these difficult words from the prophet Isaiah Behold, the nations are like a drop in a bucket and are accounted as dust on the scales. Our nation might need to give attention also to these words of the prophet Hosea. You have plowed iniquity, you have reaped injustice, you have eaten the fruit of lies. Because you have trusted in your chariots and in the multitude of your warriors, Therefore, the torment of war shall arise among your people, and all your fortresses shall be destroyed. God is the final judge of every nation, every political system. And as much as we love our land, the kingdom of God is the kingdom to which we owe our ultimate allegiance, isn't it? The noisy, empty patriot, someone has said, not the critic, is the dangerous citizen. And Mazzini, the 19th century Italian patriot, I believe spoke correctly when he said, the honor of a country depends more on its removing its faults than it does on boasting of its qualities. What can we do as Christians to strengthen our nation? We can criticize its faults, yes, as long as we do so in a spirit of love and a spirit of respect. What else can we do to strengthen our nation? We can obey the laws of the land. And when the laws of our land come into conflict with the laws of God, and sometimes they do, not our land, but every land, sometimes we have to choose. And when we have to choose, we need to be ready and prepared for whatever consequences we may suffer. Several years ago, when newspapers were still a big deal, I know some folks still take and read newspapers, we do at our house. But anyway, in one particular newspaper was a full-page advertisement, and it was provided as a public relations kind of thing by a large corporation. And the banner headline read, America is the world's rock of ages. And the pastor who saw that ad thought of the hymn, Rock of Ages, cleft for me. And he commented out loud, he said, I'm fairly sure that the hymn writer was referring to Jesus Christ, our Lord. But now the world has America, and the Americans will take it from here, Lord. Following the General Conference of the United Methodist Church in 1968, and some of you will remember, those were pretty tumultuous times in our nation, as we've had tumultuous times since then, certainly. But in 1968 General Conference, it was a conference that supported civil disobedience under certain conditions. And a Cincinnati, Ohio woman shook an angry finger in her pastor's face and she cried, I just want you to know, I love my country more than I love my church. Patriotism, service to our country, obeying the laws of the land are not wrong, certainly. We need to honor that. But as Christian folk, we have a commitment, something higher than any particular nation, and that's to the kingdom of God. Edith Cavell, and I don't know if, if any of you would recognize that name. I didn't until I read this. She was a British nurse who gave aid to escaping soldiers, and she died without bitterness as a martyr before a German firing squad in Belgium in World War I and she said patriotism is not enough what can we as christians do to strengthen our nation we can obey the laws of the land yet realizing there is a higher law to which we owe an ultimate allegiance the laws based in the kingdom of god we're ultimately accountable there so what else can we do we can in become involved in the very life of this nation, supporting, working, doing all that we can, realizing that faith, our faith, should impact every area of our lives, not just what happens on Sunday morning for a couple of hours. Someone has coined a phrase, compartmentalized religion. And by that, they mean religious faith that only impacts certain areas and certain things, and not the whole of our life, as I believe our faith is called to impact all of that. William Mull wrote a book called Mixing Religion and Politics, and he tells a story about a group of students who from Oberlin College. They made a field trip to Washington, D.C., and they saw all the centers of government, all the centers of power, all the tourist sites, all the important sites, and they met with leaders of both of the political parties at the time. And during their conversation with one distinguished senator from the Midwest, the legislator expressed his gratification that these young folks were so interested in what was going on in our nation, and he commended them for being there, for being concerned about the affairs of state, He reminded them that he had been a YMCA worker with American troops during wartime. And he went on to say that he was still eager to advance the cause of Christ. And one of the young persons said, Well, Senator, how do you relate your Christian faith to your opposition to programs that feed hungry folks and care for the sick? And the senator replied more in admonition than in anger He said, son, I never mix religion and politics. They just don't go together. And when I read that, I remember my grandfather. My grandfather, my mother's dad, used to always say that. He said, religion and politics are about, like oil and water. They just don't mix, don't talk about them together. But I believe that our faith life should influence our political life. And I also believe that the nation will be the beneficiary of that influence. As Christians, it is important that we vote and that we write in and that we speak out regarding our convictions. What can we as Christians do to strengthen our nation? We can become involved in every aspect of the life of this nation and not just withdraw and say, who cares? What else do we do to strengthen our nation? We remember our history. These words come to to mind often for me, Deuteronomy chapter 8 verses 17 and 18, and we use these words in November a lot of time around Thanksgiving, but I think they're appropriate now as well. Beware, lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is God who gives you the power to accumulate wealth. We need to recall our past as a nation We recall our past, we remember times of uncertainty and failures as well as the high points and the successes. And to recall our past doesn't mean that we have to sanctify every aspect of our history. We've not always gotten it right. Knowing our past doesn't mean that we are slaves to that past. But a nation which because of its increased wealth and power forgets its roots is a nation headed for trouble. Ezekiel, the prophet, talks about the nations and the kingdom. Talks about a a cedar tree whose branches overshadowed the forest and it was taller than every other tree in the forest. No cedar in God's garden overshadowed it. No fir could compare with its boughs. No ordinary tree had such branches. Not a tree in God's garden could rival the beauty of this cedar tree. But the eminence of that giant cedar tempted it to forget. The waters that flowed around it that gave it life that made it great. The deep set it on high and with rivers running about made it grow. And that cedar forgot. We strengthen our nation by remembering and being faithful to the very best in our past, that which we have defended and fought for, and we forget our spiritual foundations as a nation, our strength and our greatness will soon disappear. Let me close with these words from Rudyard Kipling. You may be familiar with them. He said, far called our navies melt away on dune and headland sinks the fire. Lo, all our pomp of yesterday is one with Nineveh and Tyre. Judge of the nations, spare us yet, lest we forget, lest we forget, amen.